Well, welcome to a special episode today of Church is Messy. We're taking an opportunity as we're in between sermon series to do something I've been hoping to do for a little while, and that is just to sit down and have a chat with Pastor Rick about the first three years of his ministry. You may not realize that in March we hit that milestone, mm-hmm. and uh, and I thought it would be fun just to sit and chat and ask you some questions about what these last three years have been like and to reflect on God's goodness <laughs> to us at church. You're already laughing. This might be more fun for you than, than, it, than, it, than it is for me. about this episode but I but I trust your vision for it and uh, and you you talked me into it and I and I think it I think it's a good I think it's a good thing to do I feel more comfortable just talking about the messages that that we've had because yeah. you know I spent however many hours I spent studying and I just talking about God's word and so that's a lot of fun and so anything that feels a little bit more hey can we talk about me right now <laughs> <laughs> that feels a little it feels a little well, we're going to talk I, a little about yeah. you. We're also okay. talking about our church. You know, Autumn Ridge Church has been yeah. my church home for 17 years. This is a church I dearly, dearly love, and yeah. I've loved various chapters of it. But the last three years in yeah. the way that COVID has yeah. changed the landscape for not mm-hmm. just our church, but all churches has been significant. And yeah. and uh, and your tenure here happens to coincide exactly <laughs> with the impact yeah. that COVID has had on That's all right. churches. This is probably an important time to remember that cause and correlation are not <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> yes, this is true. This is true. Uh, but I thought, what a fun opportunity as we, as a staff, just celebrated your three-year anniversary to maybe take this moment on the podcast to do so as well and to to give God some glory for how he has been at work here at Autumn Ridge over the last been, three years. He's been really faithful. There, there are a lot of amazing things. And when I, some of the, sometimes I share with people things that, have, things that have happened over the first three years and they're not here. And so they're not emotionally enmeshed or, or have any relationships here. They just hear about it from a distance and they're like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I can't be- I can't believe that. So maybe maybe I'll do a good job, maybe I'll I don't know, a mediocre <laughs> job. I'll do my best to to try to pass along some of the things that excite me that have, that have excited others and things that I'm just deeply deeply grateful for. All right. Well, it's fun watching you find your words. You're usually just rattling things <laughs> off the cuff that are brilliant. So uh, so I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit here. But I want to start off with just asking you to as you're looking back on what brought you here to Autumn Ridge. What yeah. were some of those things that when you were looking for mm-hmm. what you thought God had for you in your next chapter as a pastor? Uh, where, where did you see that overlap with what Autumn Ridge was looking for and what you were looking for that made you confident that this is where God had you? Yeah, I was at, back at that time in uh, 2019. It was in the early, early spring of 2019, uh, maybe uh, maybe it was March, late March, early April. And I had started looking at uh, churches who were looking for, for a lead pastor. I'd, I was ready to ready to make that transition. I'd been a youth pastor for a long time. I had been a campus pastor uh, for seven years and I was ready to, I was ready to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a lead. I'm going to be a lead pastor. And so uh, I read every single profile of a church in the United States that was looking for a lead pastor. Now that's not hyperbole. 
every single one. Hmm. If it was on Vanderblumen, if it was on Slingshot, if it was on Agora, if it was on Chemistry Staffing, if it was on TGC's website, if it was on Church Staffing, hmm. um, on the these uh, are all the pastoral search firms. That's right. Mm-hmm. There, there are smaller ones that I won't even bother to mention. I read every every single post one. I didn't care the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, was, I read every single one. Um, and I read some in Canada and some in Europe because I was toying with the idea of maybe maybe hmm. go, going international, mm-hmm. um, but for a variety of reasons that just wasn't that just wasn't a good I- wasn't a good idea. Heather and I we just we wanted to everything that's t- t- in the Bible Belt. We just said no. There there's so many people who want to serve in the Bible Belt, and there are so many churches there. I just thought you know what I, w- I want to go. I don't. So I'm just going to say no to the Bible Belt. Even mm-hmm. though I read those profiles, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really, didn't really pursue it. And one day, I think it was a Saturday morning. Heather and I were uh, sitting up in our bed, and I had my laptop open, and and I said, "Hey, here's a church that I read about. Um, what do you think about this one?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think you ought to send in your resume and 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 a cover letter." Uh, and then I was talking about Autumn Ridge, and the thing that drew us both in um, were. Uh, immediately a commitment to missions that in the profile that had been put together for Autumn Ridge that was something that that jumped off the page and also Autumn Ridge had had a pastor for 30 years who had recently retired mm-hmm. and there um I, I don't know that I, I don't know if I've ever sh- I don't know if I've ever shared this story with you I don't know if I've ever shared this story with our with our congregation but going back 25 years ago I was in college I was sitting on the bench in the quad um and uh I uh, I had read I'd read the Purpose Driven Church mm-hmm. um, by Rick Warren. Um, I was reading other pastors as well, um, some in Texas, some uh, some in the Midwest, some in the some in the some in the Southeast, and um, some in California. And I'm, I'm reading. There's this kind of there's this emergence of a lot of a lot of church plants mm-hmm. or kind of church revitalization that had been going on around the United States. And it dawned on me that by the time I thought that I was going to be ready to be a lead pastor, if that's something that God wanted me to do, that all of these guys would be retiring. Mm-hmm. And so I sat there on the bench in the quad and I just said, God, if you would use me to be the next man up for a church that has only had one pastor or only had one pastor for decades... I want to do that. And I didn't really know exactly what I was asking for, but that was just, I just felt it in my heart. Hmm. And I'd been, been pondering that. And I just prayed, God, would you give me that? Would you give me that opportunity? And I've had that opportunity. Yeah. And uh, so there, that, that's, that's been a dream in my, in my heart for a long time, a commitment to missions uh, for a long time. There was, there was a time that I was convinced that I was going to spend my life in the 1040 window um, doing um, missions uh, in Muslim countries, and mm-hmm. uh, that ended up not being the ended up not being the route that we took. But finding a church that is so committed to missions was it was a big deal to me, um, and uh, a church that um, was engaged in generosity really, really, really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And so there was just on the face of it of Autumn Rich that was like, okay, I'm interested, I'm interested in this. And then I began studying Rochester. I didn't know a lot about Rochester. I had a vague understanding of the Mayo Clinic. Nobody in my family had ever had to go to the Mayo Clinic. Um, so I mean I wasn't I wasn't aware of what a big deal it is. Um, so I started 
I started reading, learned a lot about the city, learned a lot as much as I could about the about the area, learned as much as I could about Mayo. And it dawned on me, oh my goodness, this is one of the world's globally important cities. Mm-hmm. It's the most, I think it's the most unlikely member of the of the fraternity of globally important cities, but it is a member mm-hmm. of that fraternity, uh, and and, it, and Rochester is like an island in a sea of cornfields that people <laughs> from all over the country and really all over the world come and visit. And I thought, oh my goodness, this matches what what I've been in tune with for a long time. I don't think anybody who knows me, it's no secret that I've been influenced by Tim Keller. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking more city than I am rural, and I'm thinking centers of influence. Um, and so I never would have expected, just based on the knowledge that I had before I discovered Autumn Ridge, that it would be a place like Rochester, mm-hmm. Minnesota. It's true. The city is one of the most amazing reverse mission fields in, yeah. the, in the country or that, in, the, in the world, that's really. Right. And that's right. That's right. nations here in our doorstep. And so we've had people in the short time that I've been here come to study at, at Mayo and they part- fully engaged in Autumn Ridge while they were here. And then they're taking the perspective of the gospel back and what they've learned mm-hmm. here at Autumn Ridge back to the country that they, that they came from and hoping to apply it. And that is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. There are people who, um, when they come into Mayo for treatment and they come on a regular basis, this is now the church, or this has always been the church that they want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. That is that is amazing. I want to be a part. I want to be. I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And so when it when I realized all of these things through my stu- through 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 my investigation of the church and the community, um, Autumn Ridge rose to the top out of all the other churches. Hmm. And so out of all the churches in the United States that were looking for a lead pastor, this is the one that I wanted to go to the most. That's exciting. Yeah, I can see how that would draw you in. And, and now knowing you and knowing your heart, I see why those would be the factors that would really stand out to you. Sure. But now fast forward three years, now you've been here. What are the reasons today that keep you confident that this is what God's plan was for you, that you were God's plan for this church? What are the things that excite you about being here now? Yeah, well, there's the, okay, all of those things that I mentioned and the previous answer, those things remain true. Mm-hmm. And I remain excited about those things and see there, I can't even see the end of the potential for, for all of those things. But after being here, it's all of those things plus relationships. Mm. It's all of those things plus people. Um, and I, and I, and I love, and it's, that's, that's the thing. Right. Mm -hmm. The thing that the reason that I the reason that I could never consider moving away or going to a different church or changing different kinds of ministry career is I cannot imagine walking away from these people. Right. Mm -hmm. This is my church family and the the relationships that that I have um, with people on on staff and and, and some men on the elder board and former elders and 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 congregants. It is just I remember one day. It was probably a year and a half ago. We were sitting, sitting at a at a, at a red light, waiting to turn, and, and my wife said, "This is home. This just feels like home." Mm. And she ha- she made friends, and I made friends faster than we've ever made friends before. Hmm. And these are deep, meaningful friendships. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's just I could not imagine, even if you took if something happened, if something happened. And, and and Mayo crumbled and went away, and we went from a town of one hundred and fifteen thousand to a town of fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. 
I would not leave this church. Hmm. I couldn't. I just could not. I couldn't walk away. Mm-hmm. Couldn't walk away. Well, glad to be part of that family here with you. And let's hope that never happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Healthcare is a pretty stable industry, so I, think I, so. I feel okay I think about so. that. Here's something that I that I learned. I mean, no. How many cities in the United States are as uh, recession resilient mm. as a as a city like this one? Mm-hmm. Not every industry in the city is, and not not every person is, but as a as a unit, as a as a whole, we are far more resilient than many other cities. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that's. Yeah, we are very fortunate to live in this community. And I just trust God and His providence and sovereignty is gonna is gonna leverage that sort of thing for for His good, and we mm-hmm. get to be a part of it. So I love that you went right to the relationships that you have and the friendships that you've made and, and people who have become like family to you. Mm-hmm. That's that's beautiful. And it's incredibly beautiful in light of the fact that when you arrived here, you didn't get to interact with people hardly at all. It was horrible. For a long it was time. the worst. Talk about the experience of COVID. So yeah. you, you, you finished your candidating process here in February. You arrived Early March, if I'm remembering all of these dates correctly, you had one I service moved. where John Steer get it was the literal baton pass to you. Yeah, I we we arrived on February 20, 28th, and it was leap year. And the next day, we moved into our house on February 29th. <laughs> I don't know if people know this, but I bought my house before the church voted me in as pastor. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, it's faith but in God we, right we there. Had, <laughs> we had the contract written in such a way that should the sh- should I didn't get the job that it would, then okay. I, I could walk away without <laughs> financial penalty. But I'm like, yeah, I'm coming here and uh, I want this house. So let's make this happen. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you arrive February 28th, you move in the 29th, you mm-hmm. had one service here that, like I said, it was the literal baton pass. Passing of the baton. Leith Anderson spoke, John Steer spoke, John Steer handed me a baton. It is in my office. Yeah. And man, I hope this is my this is my dream that one day and I'm hoping I'm hoping for like 25 years. Uh-huh. Right. I don't think I can hit John Steers 30 years because when I'm I my family doesn't have good genes. I don't know that I'm <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I don't know that I'm gonna have the health to do this after 65. But if I had 65 and one day um the next, the next person who gets to be the pastor, I want to hand them the same baton. Be very cool. That the John Steer handed to me. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. So just a few days after that, everything started to unravel. That's I right. remember of the Wednesday morning. It's your husband's after fault. That. <laughs> well, he got to play a fun role in some yeah. of this. Yes. <laughs> so it, we're getting ready. I'm for, not going to take blame on his behalf. We're getting this, we're, get, so. we're getting ready for. Um, for people who don't know, Steve Mary is the cause of COVID. He <laughs> he started it. He used to, <laughs> he's the reason that our church had to go and like. No, this, this is what happened. This is what, this is what happened. Steve, we love you. <laughs> this is what happened. So it's um, I'm getting ready for this Sunday's going to be my first Sunday preaching, and it's when I believe it's Wednesday. I mm-hmm. think it's Wednesday. Yeah, I remember Wednesday. And I was at women's Bible study, and our our youth pastor. Derek Freed was like, I don't know if we can do our big event this week. And I'm like, why can't you do your big event? And they're like, well, because of COVID. And I'm like, really? Are you, are you, come on, man. And Steve came in and he's explaining things to me. And I'm sitting in one chair in my office and he's sitting across from me. He's talking to me. And then later, uh, later in the day, we had another uh, a doctor who's in another country on speakerphone. And they're, they're both giving me the 
the down low on the realities of a pandemic and COVID and what is coming. And I just remember sitting in my chair, looking at them, thinking, in my first Sunday as pastor, I have to shut the church down. <laughs> and, How did you wrap your brain around that? And it was either, if I'm not supposed to shut the church down, like if that's a foolish thing to do and I do it, then I look like an idiot. Mm. But if I should shut the gathering down and go digital like we did. And that is, that's not the right thing to do either. I look like an idiot. Mm. <laughs> right. And so it's one of those times, you know, so back in, back in the, the series that we just wrapped up, what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself? You know, it, it's one of those times it's like, it's really not about me. But I've got, I've got people, who, I've got a man sitting across from me who understands this and he's given me the, he's given me all the stuff that I need to know. And it just became clear, all right, yeah, we got to make some changes here. And uh, it helped. It did It did help that we weren't alone in it, mm -hmm. um, that uh, it did help that, you know, government officials get get the get the message out on what was going to be what was going to be coming and, and our church wasn't wasn't alone and having to having to shut down so we shut it down and then like the next day we had to get together with the staff and say all right this is how do we how do we do an online service how long should it be how long mm -hmm. should i preach well, mm -hmm. can we do music i mean my head was spinning but um if you're in leadership if you're a leader you probably enjoy solving problems and so at the beginning it didn't feel scary as much as it felt fun because mm -hmm. here is a here is a problem that needed solving, and we got to figure it out. So let's figure it out. And mm -hmm. so there is a there's a part of that that in the beginning, um, the the ignorance of what was actually about to come allowed me to enjoy sure. enjoy that moment. Well, a problem that was completely unprecedented. There was no book that uh, that could give you any guidance in yeah. that. There wasn't any any class that you would have taken in your background that could have prepared you for that moment. But no, I, I couldn't you, have talk and, talked you, intelligently about the Spanish flu and what happened then. Or, <laughs> I, yeah, but you anchored yourself in some guiding principles mm -hmm. that, that kind of helped us move forward in that. How, how did you arrive at these principles that helped you in your decision-making process? I had a had a coach at at that time, and uh, she she just said you got to you got to be clear why you do what you what you're going to do and why you're going to do it. And so I just sat down and I'm thinking through it. I'm trying to think prayerfully. I'm trying to think biblically. She said, "Okay, here's the here's the deal. We are going to uh, we're going to honor the best medical information that's available. Number two, we're going to honor elected officials. I think I think that's biblical, and and we're going to honor what's in the best interest of each other." That's it. That's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And if ever, if ever, um, honoring elected officials puts us in tension with honoring Christ, we're always going to choose. Excuse me. We're always going to choose Christ over honoring elected officials. I don't think we ever found ourselves in that position, and mm -hmm. our elder board would say we never found ourselves in that position. Mm -hmm. So one of the inevitable effects that COVID had was it kind of threw out the so-called rule book of what yeah. a first of what a lead pastor's I first thought, year is supposed to look like. I thought I was going to show up and have a bunch of lunches with folks and play play golf and preach and just do nothing but build relationships for eighteen months. Mm -hmm. I thought that, I thought I was going <laughs> to preach and hang out with folks for eighteen months. Yep, change nothing. That's right, change <laughs> just... nothing. There's something in the church world. Uh, sometimes consultants will tell you it's the dead cat rule. If there is a dead cat underneath the chair in the back row, you don't say anything for eighteen months. Wow. And after eighteen months, say, hey, 
have you guys ever noticed that cat back there? <laughs> right. And so you just don't, you don't change anything uh-huh. because you don't have the credibility and you don't have the trust. Trust is a choice, right? We choose to trust someone, but there's also, there's also another layer to trust that is a little bit more amorphous and harder to, harder to define. And it, it relates to affections and feelings and just a sense of comfortability. Mm-hmm. You can't choose that, that develops and grows over time, mm-hmm. but whether or not, but whether or not you choose to place trust in someone else's hands that's that is that that is a choice or mis and distrust is a choice all of that is all of that is a choice but all the feelings and comfort and stuff that develops that develops over time and if you're going to go uh, and if you're going to go and become a part of an organization like a church and make changes you only do that after both the trust has been given and the and the comfort and all of that has grown and is sufficient so that you are able to walk through that together. Mm-hmm. And what COVID created was before you can get to know anyone and before you can even get to know the staff and the staff gets to know you, you have to change basically everything. And so that next week after my first Sunday, it became clear all of our jobs are different now. How we go about doing church is different now. So we just wrote up um, wrote up the an, uh, an action plan of things we needed to do It just basically said to the staff, this is what needs to be done. Um, and everybody has new job descriptions now. And we put people in pairs. You guys are responsible for, for this. You guys are responsible for that. Now, I didn't just say, hey, you have to do it whether you like it or not. Are you guys are you are you comfortable with this? Do you think you'd be a good pair with that mm-hmm. person? Does everybody feel good about this? Okay, this is what we're this is what we're doing now. And yet, right? Even though the staff said yeah, but what are they going to say? Mm-hmm. They're not going to say no, because because this is the I mean this is just the this is just the this, this is the nature of it. And so people who don't yet know me are saying, all right, we're we're going to trust you. We're going to follow along with this, but they don't know if how much they can trust me yet. And they're having to do their job in a totally different way under my direction. That is so hard for the staff. Mm-hmm. And they did phenomenally. You guys did phenomenally in that. And but man, the pressure that I put on the staff is so hard. So hard. And and I think that that's probably something. One, most people in the congregation, I'm glad I can talk about this now. Most people in the congregation probably are just unaware of that because how would they be aware of it? Mm-hmm. But uh, they should be so incredibly appreciative of all the men and women on the staff um, at every level of the organization who had to pivot and pivot hard um, and trust someone that they had no history with mm-hmm. as they did things totally differently. It's, it it's a, a big crazy deal. time. It was a crazy time. Mm-hmm. And then people in the congregation, they're seeing me through a television screen. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to see somebody as a real person. It's, it's so easy to, when you're in the same room with someone and they're on the stage, it's easy to reduce them to a one-dimensional figure. Um, but when someone is on the screen and you're not even in the same room with them, that that temptation and that the ease of doing that is so much, so much stronger. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this is intended to be done in relationship. Ministry is intended to be done up, up close. Pastors are supposed to have relationships with their with their congregation. We are a church family. We are a body. And man, all of that was delayed for um, at minimum six months. But for most people, it was well over a year. So now that, that that's for the most part in the, the hind mirror. Mm -hmm. What are some of the effects that you think COVID had on Autumn Ridge? 
Well, I think we're like a lot of churches. Um, we saw we saw a tremendous uh, shakeup, and um, that uh, like today, our attendance is still not back to what it was before COVID. The majority of churches in the United States would say that is the that is the same thing. Because um, I, I wasn't preaching this weekend. Whenever I'm not preaching and I don't have specific responsibilities, I like to visit another church in town, talk to another church and uh, another church's pastor in town. He said, "Yeah, we're still not." back to where we were before COVID. So that's that's one of that's one of the things. I think I think people's ability to trust or willingness to trust in general has has had some sort of impact. And mm-hmm. I find that I think that's very understandable. Mm-hmm. Very, very under very understandable. Um the um what was the question again? <laughs> the impact <laughs> of COVID on Autumn Ridge now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that would be, um, but here's a positive impact. A positive impact is that everyone has been asking themselves, not just our church, but all over the place, well, what is church and what's my role in church and what mm-hmm. are we supposed to be is supposed to be about? And for a lot of people, it has re-energized their, their excitement and allegiance to Jesus's mission for the for the church. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're seeing too. It's good. Yeah. All right. Here's a, a shift question. This is just kind of a, a bracket one in the middle here. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you uh, you had the opportunity to go visit a different church while Pastor Otis was the one who gave the sermon this last week. Yep. I'm curious how you might fill in the blank for the question that Otis challenged all of us to consider when he mm-hmm. when he asked us to think, what is it that we're wanting Jesus to do? Mm-hmm. Is there something that's on your heart right now in your own life? And you can decide if you want to take this personally for you as an individual or if you want to look at it for you as a pastor for our church. But what's something that you're wanting Jesus to do that you're having to to trust him in right now? Hmm. Hmm. And to the listeners, while I'm giving Rick a chance to think, I'll let you know, he didn't get these questions ahead of time. I did not he's, get that question getting, ahead, of, ahead of time. getting everything here on the fly. So one of the things, one, one of the things that, that I'm really focusing in on right now is um, I've got guaranteed two more years with my son in the house. Um, my two daughters have already moved out, but my son is, my son is, is in the house. And so I keep asking... I keep praying for and asking for great, meaningful moments over these two years and the ability um, to pass on a love of, of Jesus and a desire to know and grow in him um, and my son that would carry him for the rest of his life. Mm. Like I know that our relationship isn't going to be over in two years, but it, but I know I got two years with him in my house. And I think about that. I think about that every, almost every day. It's like, man, the clock is ticking. And I keep a jar on the on the um, table next to my bed, and it has it has a bead for every weekend that I would have left mm. um, if I lived to seventy five. And so mm. every Saturday, I take a bead out of that jar and I throw it in the trash can. Wow! As just a way to remember that I'm trying to make the most of the, the time. And every time I take it and I throw it away, I'm thinking to myself, "All right, how have I used my time this week? How am I using my time today? Am I am I proud of how I've invested this time?" Mm. So wow, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. All right. So as you look back on these last three years, what are some highlights that you you celebrate to this day? What are the things that you when you're looking at the life of our church, like, wow, that was 
spectacular or or that was just something that I so clearly saw God at work that yeah. I want to praise him for what he's doing here. You know, I I loved being able to pay off our debt, that our church was able mm. to pay off our debt. I loved that John Steer was my partner and we got to do that together. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was a that was a lot of fun. Um I I love that guy and I I love I love hanging out with him. Um I that was that was cool. Something that um I thought was pretty neat is Easter service in 2020 was picked up by a local ABC affiliate, and I guess that went well enough that they said, hey, we've got a slot here. Um, would you be willing to for us to play your services in this Saturday late afternoon, early evening time slot? And I'm like, yeah, let's. that'd be cool. And uh, there's some people who said, hey, we'll pay for that. You don't have to pay for that. And I'm really, really grateful for that. I didn't realize what a big deal that time slot is. That was the college football time slot. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the most primo time slots uh, there, there, there is. And when the NBA came back um, and they started having their games again in the summer, we were the lead end to the first NBA game. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Huh, uh-huh. And so during that time, our ability to share the gospel with folks exponentially in, increased. Mm-hmm. We we have strong reason to believe that there were about 20,000 people per weekend engaged mm-hmm. with Autumn Ridge listening to the to the to the sermon that was given that was given that weekend. And so for a stretch of time, that was our that, that was, was our, our outreach. That, that was our outreach. <laughs> uh-huh. And there were, I remember that there was a family in another state, and the son did not want to go to church anymore. And he was he was walking away from the from the faith, and his dad was brokenhearted over that. And somehow, some way, they came across our service on ABC. They watched it, and their son, the son said to the dad, That's the kind of church that I would go to. Hmm. And so they started driving up like once a month to come to, I don't know. That's, that's an, awesome. That's an amazing thing. What a gift to be a part of that. Mm. And so like, when, look, for those of you who, you're, if you're listening to this, you're probably part, you're either my mom or you're part of Artem Ridge. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, <laughs> and so like when you give to Artem Ridge, you're giving to things like that. You're making those kind of things possible. And it's a, it's awesome. Uh-huh. It is, it's, 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 it's things like that that I that I celebrate. I'm over the moon that I'm over the moon about. There's been a lot of great things happening, mm-hmm. and yet it's been a hard three years. What are there some disappointments or some hurts that you've had to grieve or or release to God? Yeah, I'll let me probably like the dream that the the idea that I had over that first eighteen months to to two to two years. Of of just spending time with people and getting to know people and um, and that being the first thing I just had to let that's never going to happen it can't happen it's not allowed to happen so I got I got to let that go mm-hmm. um, I know I absolutely I'm well aware of and I know that there has been too much change too soon mm-hmm. and it's almost almost every single thing that has changed is out of all of our hands. There are things that we had to respond to, not anything that we not in, not what we not what we not chose. Designed change, but a and forced change. That's yeah. right. So in a time um, in a time where people were still grieving John Steer as as their pastor no longer being here and by the way, if that had been my experience, that's exactly what I would be feeling. Was mm-hmm. is a there's a, a, a kind of grief and everybody processes that at a different different rate. Um, going through 
uh, global pandemic, going through economic uncertainty, going through tremendous political turmoil, and just this overarching sense of kind of chaos in our nation and mental health crises and concerns at an all-time high. Divorce at an all-time high. Suicide rate at an all-time high. We're seeing crime rates at an all-time high. Um, depression at an all-time high. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And, to, and to everybody wants, in, in times of, of, of change, chaos, we want to look to something that we know can be the exact same. I, I just know that this is okay. Like for in my life, it's like Heather and me against the world. Mm. If I if she and I are together, come what may, I don't care, mm-hmm. right? But I but I, I, that's rock solid. Mm-hmm. That's rock solid. And so a lot of people want that in their church, and they just want to be able to come to church. And it's just the comfort. It's it's just it's just safe. And I and I don't mean any of this in a pejorative. It's all good. It's a cocoon. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's a refuge. It's a sanctuary. Yeah. And our church was in the middle of all was was changing too, and it was a very different experience. And it broke my heart that I could not give that to folks. Mm-hmm. And it probably um, the the folks there are some folks who have have a higher tolerance for change, and some folks who have a lower tolerance of change. And there there are a couple of categories of groups. I'm not going to name them uh, because I because I feel like maybe that'll get me in trouble. But there are a couple of categories of groups. Who I know that it was this change was more difficult than it was for others, and it it broke my heart. Mm. Well, thank you for giving some words to that because I think it's cathartic to just acknowledge the grief that mm-hmm. uh, that so many of us went through and the 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 vast amount of change mm-hmm. that was um, inevitable, sure, uh, but also unexpected. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's helpful just to acknowledge that. Yeah. Well, I've got one more larger question, and then I want to wrap up with a series of rapid fire questions for you. Okay. Uh, and the the larger question is just look ahead, look to the, your next three years. What are some of the things that you're excited for? What are some of the things you're hoping for? What do you What do you hope God does in these next three years? I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna quote. Um, for people who are who are longtime Autumn Bridgers, I think they'll I think they'll appreciate this. I want to quote Charles Spurgeon. He one time he one time said, "Every Christian here who's not a missionary is an imposter." Mm. And what he's talking about is every every believer, every follower of Jesus has a responsibility to be an ambassador for Jesus and carry His name uh, to 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 the world, whether that's across the street or across the globe. And the way that we talk about that around here is that leadership is a destination of discipleship. Following Jesus always leads to leadership. And, you know, the way that I talk about it is not everybody, not everyone is actually going to sit in a in a position of organizational leadership, or not everybody's going to lead a team, or not everybody's going to lead a group, but every single follower of Jesus should have a heart for, should have a disposition of leadership, and it's about, I'm going to take the relationship, the, the influence that I have and invest it to help somebody else take a step towards coming to know Jesus or to take their next step and growing their growing in their relationship with Jesus. Every follower of Jesus should be about that. And I want to be a church. I think our church has this kind of like just growing sense and excitement about that. And I think that's going to grow more and more. Mm-hmm. We have a we have a five-year strategic plan that that we're that we're working off of. And our goal is to be a hub of Christ-centered leadership. That that we that we get when we're kind of firing on all cylinders. That we're a church where every single person who's a follower of Jesus is excited and equipped and prepared to um, 
be an ambassador of Jesus in whatever spheres of influence they have. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Excited for, yeah. for what's ahead. All right. So these rapid fire questions. Now, you haven't seen any of these. You no. can decide if you want to just answer briefly or okay. if you want to elaborate a little bit, uh, <laughs> if you want to be serious you or know, if you want to... <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, take this the direction you want to, but we'll start off with, with a good one, a solid one. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite book of the Bible? Yeah, it's pro- it's Colossians. It's Colossians mm. three, but right now Second Corinthians five is a it's, a, it's like one B. But Colossians three is my favorite chapter, so I'm probably going to have to just go with Colossians. Nice. All right. How about an ideal date night with Heather? Ooh, yeah. It's uh, if I an ideal date night is going to be uh, we're going to go to Manny's up in the city, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to. Because I don't want to drive home afterwards. We're gonna. It's in a. It's in a hotel. We're gonna stay. We're gonna stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go to. We're gonna go to Manny's. There will be raw oysters as an appetizer. Mm-hmm. That's gonna happen, mm-hmm. and uh, a steak medium, mm-hmm. right? Medium. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll have. I'll have a medium. I'll have a medium ribeye, and uh, yeah, that would. I think I would love that. That sounds like a nice night for you too. Of all of the sermon series that you've preached over the last three years, do you have a favorite sermon series? Yeah, I think First Peter is my favorite right now. It's been awesome. I love First it, Peter, and, and it's the most recent one. So I don't know, but uh, First Peter is my is my is my favorite one. Um, I listen. I think I think I think um, I'm, I'm. There's not one that I don't love. Uh, I'm kind of excited for some some ones that we have coming up in the future. But right now, for the ones that we've had, I really I'm pretty grateful for First Peter, and it's not just like. It's not because of the sermons themselves. It's what the process has been like for me and my own study and my own growth, uh, but the excitement that small groups have had and seeing people bring uh, these study guides in and how all of that coalesced together. I just feel like, man, this is what a privilege it is to be a mm-hmm. part of something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was mm-hmm. a great time. Yeah. All right, so something that makes Autumn Ridge unique is that we have two executive pastors rather than just one. Mm-hmm. Who do you love more, Caleb or Otis? Mm. Well, I've only traveled the world with one of them, <laughs> right? And so uh, I don't, I don't love one more than the other. But they are different, right? They're, they're, they're totally. They're, Even though people get them mixed up at times, which yeah. is hilarious. It's hilarious that they get them, that they get them mixed up, and not just calling them by the wrong name. But like one day, somebody was talking to Otis in the lobby, thinking that Caleb's sons were Otis's sons. That's to me. That's just the. the that's, it's fun. That's, it's that's fun. pretty It's, that's it's pretty evidence funny. of how much of a family we yeah. all are. I love them both. All right. Is there a particular dish or something that you cook well? If someone's coming to your house. That I cook well? Yeah. Do you Smoked cook? Smoked wings. Mm. Smoked how do you wings. do your wings? Well, um, so I put them on the trigger and uh, I'm going to smoke them for, for a couple hours on the, on the trigger. And then I'm going to crank up the heat and, 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 and get them, get them finished off. And then after that, I'm going to put them in. I'm going to put them in the uh, in the oven, and I'm going to I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to bake them in the oven for a little bit, and then I'm going to switch it over to broil them. But before I put them into the oven, I sauce them. Okay. And so then I like it. I like what for kind the... of sauce do you make your own, or do you do you no, have I'll, a go-to? I'll, I'll just buy I'll buy different uh-huh. different sauces, and I'll do a variety of different different sauces. And I like I like it to get I, I like it to get almost almost burnt. Okay. <laughs> right, just a little crispy, you know, and then uh, serve it up with some with some. With some veggies and uh, blue cheese. If you want ranch, I'll get you ranch. But oh no, blue cheese all the way. Yeah, blue for cheese for sure. Yeah. Besides the Bible, 
What book has had the most influence on you? Search for Significance by Robert S. Oh, you didn't even have to think about that. It's that one. Hmm. No, I'm a leading. I'm on Tuesday nights. I get to be a part of uh, next chapter, and right now we're doing a study through that book right now, and I'm loving sharing it with the guys. Love it. Nice. Yeah. Who's a Bible character you would most like to meet? Hmm. Joseph would be one for hmm. sure. Love, 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 love Joseph. Um, he he would be one. So I'm just not going to go Jesus, right? For I'm just not going to say Jesus. Yeah, we'll say of of yeah of exclusively human characters. Yeah. <laughs> So Joseph would be would be one in the New Testament. Yeah, I gotta go Paul. Mm. I, I know it's lame. That's not it's not super interesting. I could go obscure and be like Onesimus. I want to meet the slave who <laughs> ran away from fighting. No, it's Paul. I'd love to hang out with Paul. As you said earlier, he is a boss. He is a boss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That came from a text that I shared with you guys earlier. Yeah, nice. All right, here's a, a deeper one. Mm-hmm. If there was something you could change about yourself that you haven't been able to yet, what would you change? My hairline. I wish my hair was a little was what it was back in my twenties. You know, I'm not bald, but <laughs> I, I would I would love. I'd also like a six pack. That is rather illusory. <laughs> I've been I, that that has evaded me my whole life, and uh, I'd love to be six feet tall. I would change <laughs> that. I'd prefer not to have astigmatism. Yeah. So. Well, Wow, I only asked for one. You've got a list. <laughs> so I went, I went all superficial. Um, you know what? I wish, like, I, well, listen, I, I wish, if I could just change this, if I could just change this, if my instinct was to care more about the other person than I care about myself, I think it would change my life. Mm. But I still, I still, first thing is I care about me. And then I'm like, okay, got to go through the work of preaching the gospel to myself. And it's just, I just wish... I just wish I was more like that than mm-hmm. I am. Being aware of it's the first step and having a heart for it is a, is a huge thing. Well, so. I've known about it for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately, God's work doesn't finish on one particular day. He's That's still right. at work. That's right. Okay, two last questions. If you weren't a pastor, what other career would you choose? Hmm. Um, one of my friends told me one time that I would be I would be like a junior college philosophy professor <laughs> trying to be the cool professor. <laughs> I can see it with the elbow patches and <laughs> um, I would like to be involved in um, uh, player personnel decisions for an NFL football team. Okay. <laughs> All right, last question. What is bringing you joy in this chapter of your life? Right now, what's bringing me what's bringing me joy? You know, that's interesting because this morning, um, I just felt I'm, I'm home alone right now. My wife and kids are out, out. My wife and son are out of town. Caroline's still at college. She's she's not home yet. Um, and I just had just this sweet morning, and I was just able to drink coffee and re. I do that a lot, but this morning it just is more extended, more more alone, and I was just feeling joyful mm-hmm. for being able to being able to read and study and and think. Mm. I don't yeah, does that make me sound like a nerd? Well, I resonate with that too, so okay. I get it. But yeah. I I don't I just love it. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And it's never been easier in the history of the world to read the thoughts of thoughtful people. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have an app on my phone. I have an app on my phone. I can't remember what the name of it is. But uh, Jeff Green told me about this app. I have an app on my phone, and I 
click any verse in the Bible, and it brings up all the writings of church fathers. Oh, wow. It's so like, uh, so I'm getting ready to, again, <laughs> I'm getting ready to, to, to preach for Easter. This morning, I'm reading through John chapter 20, and I'm clicking on different verses and reading what Clement of Alexandria had to say, or Tertullian had to say, or John Chrysostom had to say, and, or I'm just like, this is just, I love it. It just, uh, that just thrills me. That's really cool. There's another thing too. Yeah. There's one more thing. Um, the Saints have a quarterback. It, <laughs> our quarterback situation is so much better than it was last year, and I'm going into the draft with lots of optimism and enjoy that we can just draft the best player available and go into this season and perhaps win the division. Well, you keep dreaming, <laughs> but I'm happy for you. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Rick. I know this was kind of indulgent to take this time to mm-hmm. uh, to just reflect and to, to think about the last three years and your first chapter of ministry here at Autumn Ridge, but, uh, but I'm thankful for the chance to talk with you a little bit more about things that we don't often stop to reflect on. Thanks for talking me into doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just end this with the prayer? Yeah, do it. Dear Father, uh, we thank you for your faithfulness and for your goodness to us as a church. We thank you for how you have been the foundation of this church for for more than 150 years that, that, that you have been at work here in this community and in this church. And thank you for... Um, for the the many pastors who have anchored this church, uh, seeking to bring you glory in it all. But we thank you for our, our current pastor, too. Thank you for bringing Rick here. And, and, and as we've navigated some very in, interesting challenges over the last three years, um, thank you for your faithfulness to us and all of that. And I pray that you would bless Pastor Rick for uh, the leadership that he has had over this congregation. And I pray that you would continue to bless him. I pray that you would continue to fill him with your spirit, that we would all see more of you, uh, both in him and as we come together to worship you and to grow in our love for you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.